0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 135 of For the Love of Guns. Today, we're going to talk about long-range shooting for the beginner. Now, I like to say that I'm a pistol guy that wants to be a rifle guy. Sure, I can shoot a rifle, but you get me past 100, maybe 200 yards, it's all kind of a mystery to me. I mean, I've taken out an AR way longer than 200 yards, but we're going to talk more like 1,000 yards. 1200 yards, beyond, all that type of stuff. And I've got a really great guest for you. It's Mike Winters, who also goes by the name of Long Range Reaper. Now, before we talk to Mike, I really need your help here. There's two companies that really help me bring you content every week. The first company is Falco Holsters. I love handmade holsters. I'm so addicted to them now that I've got these Falco holsters. Now I've been running with these things for what, about two years now? Just absolutely love the quality of these things. If you're looking for a great holster with a company that stands behind them, check out Falco holsters, because they can make a holster for every gun, any budget, without sacrificing quality. And let's face it, when we have a custom handmade holster, we want quality. Go check them out, I have a link down below. And if you use the checkout code Banshee, you'll save 10%. Now we're gun people, we need ammo. Ammo squared is making us rethink ammo. I mean sure, it's something for us to use our guns with, you know, go out target shooting, protect our families, protect ourselves. But it can also be an investment, especially now and ammo prices are going up. And if you had stocked up on ammo, from Ammo Squared, you could have made a little bit of money on some extra ammo that you may have laying around in your account. Go check out Ammo Squared. I have, a, I have a link for them down below. They're really, really doing some great work over there. Definitely check it out. Now let's talk to Mike. Mike, tell me about your love of guns.
1: My name is Mike, Long Range Reaper on uh, YouTube. Just uh, got invited by Jason. Uh, the rogue banshee to come out here and talk about some long range stuff for the beginner, and uh, I think that's what we're going to do. Spent uh, a couple of years in the military, a couple of years in law enforcement, retired now, and uh, like to shoot things out there, ways and up close, and everything in between. So that's about it.
0: Well, one thing about this podcast, we definitely make sure that we uh, we honor those who serve. Thank you so much for your service to the country. You've done you've done a lot of stuff. Um, uh, we, it, it, there's probably more, you know, we, we've known each other just a, a short period of time. There's, and I've heard stuff you've done and I would just imagine the, the stuff I don't know that, uh, you, that probably most people don't even, will never even know about you, but, uh, we want to make sure we do thank those who have served, uh, and it's great to have you on here because like me, uh, you, you know, my little motto is, is that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pistol guy that wants to be a rifle guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh and it's great talking to long-range people because it's that that's kind of like a little black box to us right like i i don't understand how the hell you guys are hitting stuff i mean when i grew up in pennsylvania you know when i learned how to hunt in pennsylvania 100 yards was like a long shot for us you know because at 101 there was a house right (laughs) so you know it I start hearing, you know, when I moved to Montana, I start hearing people talk about going out elk hunting and hitting stuff at six, seven hundred yards. I'm just like, I can't even see that far. When you're shooting that far, there's a lot of stuff going through your head to do that. Can you kind of like give us like the the readers, you know, uh, you know the the, the the abridged version of what what's going through your head at shots like that? So for for like a hunting shot, yeah.
1: So, yeah, if you're going to take game at a long range, the, the biggest thing is, you know, long range to me might not be long range to you and vice versa. So right. long range hunting has to be done ethically. So when you're shooting a target, a little less goes into it. You don't have that buck fever either. You know, you're shooting at something that can't yep. shoot back, which no big deal. You're shooting at something that if you miss, it's not the end of the world. Or if you miss by a little bit, it's you're know, not going to wound something. Um so the biggest thing for me is for a long range shot, there's no stalking involved. So you don't have to, you know, be quiet. You don't have to you know, worry about your scent. You don't have to do any of that. It gives you plenty of time to do your math. It gives you plenty of time to figure out, can I get closer, which I do all the time when I elk hunt out here, I'm up in the, the mountains in Oregon and I can shoot from Ridge to Ridge. I can shoot a mile all day. I don't want to shoot an animal that far. So yeah, I still get as close as I can still you wearing my blue jeans and my car hearts. I don't work camo. So, um, uh, <laughs> if I shoot something at a hundred yards, it's cause it snuck up on me. I didn't sneak up on it. Um, <laughs> okay. but what I'm doing is I, I get into a spot where I go, okay, the animals are going to come from here. And I know that because of my scouting and I put myself inside of 800 yards usually. And if the animal continues to feed my way or walk my way, I have no reason to stop it. So I, I'm not one of those guys that goes out to shoot as far as I can. I just like to put meat in the freezer, and I like to do it you know, ethically. So right. um, I try not to shoot past six, 700 yards on an animal. I've shot further because I was comfortable with it, low wind day. But the first thing going through your mind is the wind, 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 wind. Wind is the one thing that's going to wreck you at, at range, um, especially when you're hunting. Most hunts happen... You know, either on flat plains where there's a lot of wind or up in the mountains where you have updrafts, downdrafts, um, full value winds or a swirling wind where you've got wind in your face, but maybe at the target, it's full value going left to right. So um, all those things come into effect. But the minute I get out to my shooting spot, I start doing a range card. So if there's a big rock out there at 400 yards, I do my dope and everything for, for, for that shot right now with the wind that i have right now and i write it down and then you know i've got a big juniper tree at 650 so i draw that on my little range card 650 yards this is my hold with the wind right now and then throughout the day i'm gauging is the wind changing so if i have a five to eight mile an hour wind i'll do my dope for about six seven miles an hour and Mm -hmm. uh and i just i kind of so if an animal comes out, I already know that tree 650. So the animals 30 yards this side of the tree, I've got a 620 yard shot. I know what the wind's been doing. And I'm not necessarily scanning for animals because you're going to see a moving animal if you're stable, if you're just yeah. static. Um, so I do all my sh- all my stuff before I start hunting. And my idea of hunting is a little different than most people. I'm not a tree stand guy, I just sit on the ground in a spot where I can set up my tripod, I got a fat boy, uh tripod i highly recommend them carbon fiber they're great for for going out steady great ball head and i sit set my tripod up and i start doing my math that way when the animal comes out it's less stuff i've got to do um but the wind is the one thing that'll wreck you especially at range everything else you know at the touch of this thing you can figure out everything if you know what to put into it yeah so
0: so now, taking that into, uh, you know, we talk, we were talking about hunting, take that into just at the range. I mean, you still have the same values, right? I mean, you're still doing the same math. You're still looking for wind. Uh, you're still looking for your hold. You're looking for your elevation. You're, you're doing all this, this stuff. So it doesn't really matter if you're at the range or you're in the field. You still have the same calculations going through your head, correct? Yes and no. Um. So DOPE, everyone has heard the
1: term DOPE. Very few people know what it stands for. It stands for data on previous Stay engagements. On. Yep. So a lot of people don't know that. They just assume DOPE is the term for minutes of angular mills or MRAD or whatever I'm putting into my scope. They, they call that DOPE. Well, it is, but if you think about it, data on previous engagements, that means you've got a log book, you've got a range book where you've shot and you're calculating what the humidity is today, the barometric pressure, the temperature, what the wind's doing my velocity on that round, and you build this thing to where when you go out to the range a year from now, the weather's 80 degrees, you got a five mile an hour crosswind, the pressures and humidities are about the same as that day. So you look at your book and you go, okay, on a five mile an hour wind, this is what I should be at. And that gives you the ability to do less math every time you shoot. And uh, so on a range, you do a little more tinkering um i will actually do more dead holds at the range especially if i'm developing a new caliber where i go out and i'm not shooting point of aim for point of impact i'm shooting point of aim knowing my point of impact is going to be different so i can measure it so i will go out and do a dead hold at 800 yards but i'll set up a four by four sheet of plywood and i'll hold dead on pull the trigger and see how far that 12 mile an hour wind truly blew my bullet Now this thing should be right, but ballistic coefficients are never right. What's written on the box is never accurate. And there's a reason why, because you got different velocities, you've got different everything. So this is a beginner episode, so we won't get into reverse calculating velocities (laughs) for ballistic coefficient, but um, there's there's reasons for you to go out and test your own stuff. And I do that at the range. So when I'm hunting, I'm dead on, I know what I'm doing. And, uh, but yes, the same things go through your head. Um, the nice thing about, it's kind of like anything, the more training you do, the better application you're going to have in the field, you know, train how you fight yeah. is, it's kind of a military saying, but if you do it right on the range and make your mistakes on the range, sweat more in training, bleed less in combat, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same adage, I guess you'd say.
0: Cause that's, you know, that, that's one thing is that, There's a saying that I like is that you know under pressure we result to our lowest lowest level of mastery of something, not our highest. We always train you know for our highest, but you add you add pressure and you're now dropping because you know your heart rate's going on. You're no longer calm, but that's why you're building you you know you're building up some confidence on that as well, right? So if you have that rate that log bucket, it's going to be different if I'm sitting at the range shooting. Versus if I'm, I don't know, shooting, you know, king of a mile or king of two mile or something like Mm -hmm. that, where you got a lot of, you got a lot of pressure on you to perform.
1: Absolutely.
0: So that's where, you know, I like what you're talking about with, with your log, because you know how this, you went to the range, you know, how this rifle performs under this condition, under this condition, under this condition. So when you go into like a competition, you're like, okay, this is kind of like this. So you're taking some of that pressure off of you. So you're, you're kind of your mastery starts going back up again mm-hmm. because you're you reducing that stress. Absolutely. So, so now where do we start with this? I mean, you went out, you said you put out uh, a big sheet of plywood. Let's just say I went out, I don't know. I, I just went out and bought a new rifle. Um, I don't know. It's, let's just say it's a... I don't know, Ruger Precision or something, you know, something that's designed for a little more precision. It's not your granddad's, you know, hunting rifle, something that's a little more modern, a little little more designed to be, you know, sub MOA, Mm -hmm. uh, as they like to say. Um, What do I, what's the first things I do with that rifle? Because, you know, um, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to shoot long range, but I'm not a long range shooter.
1: I think it starts back before that. I think it starts before the choice of the rifle um okay. it starts with a budget so when, when people call me and they say hey what should i what should i do i want to uh, build a, a long range rifle and i always ask what's your budget right now not how much do you want to have into the gun next year but right now right. what do you have and if they say two grand i tell them okay go buy an optic and save up for a rifle and maybe you know buy a 1500 optic and go take a 500 class because you're going to get more out of that $500 spent on a class than an extra $500 spent on a rifle. You can go pretty much buy any rifle off the store at Sportsman's Warehouse or Cabela's and you will not outshoot that rifle for years. That rifle yeah. will still outshoot the average person for a couple of years if you put good glass on it, good fo- you know, good focus, um you know, shooting all light different lights, you can enough adjustment for all everything you're going to do. Um, and then, you know, you don't have to go get a Zico $4,000 optic. It's nice when, you know, you can, the turret's really easy to spin and everything, but you can go get other optics. So I always tell people if, you know, I set a budget for about five grand on a long range deal for a beginner, cause you're going to be into not just the rifle and the scope, but you need to get yourself some training. And whether that training is going yeah. to a class and learning how to shoot long range, or it's buying ammo or getting into a reloading setup. If you don't have one that all fo- that all goes into that price. Now, do you also have a monthly budget or does five grand need to put you all in your wife's going to kill you if you spend another dollar? Cause if right. it is, I recommend, you know, buying ammo, you know, go out and get match grade ammo Hornady's great. Um, but it starts with the budget optic rifle, Ammo, and I would rather see somebody go spend a thousand dollars on a class and spend fifteen hundred dollars on a rifle than buy a twenty five hundred dollar rifle.
0: So that's what well, I recommend. And that's a yeah, that you bring kind of that budget into it. If you think about it, like you're talking about, it, it, are you going to spend this much money, buy the stuff, and it's going to sit? Well, then even if you took a class, shooting is a perishable skill, very much so. You need you need to have enough money left over to exercise what you've learned, mm-hmm. or else you, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do it. Um, now, you know we have so many bullets and so many rounds and so many things. How do we choose a caliber? I mean, you know, we sit there. Just about everybody has two, two, three, which is not yep. a great long range. Um, Shot, you know, the, the bullet's so light, it's going to drift and all that stuff with the wind. uh There's a thirty, you know, just about everybody has thirty out six. If they don't have a thirty out six, they got a three oh eight. Everybody I mean, by your but, age, everybody my age. <laughs> 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 thanks for thanks for bringing <laughs> age into it. <laughs> but how do we choose a caliber? Because at that point you know, even, even 308 people like, Oh, 308 is a great long range round. Well, you go back to what you said earlier, long range for you is different than long range for me, Mm you know, long range, long range for me. Like I said, you know, hundred yard shots were long range for us. Right. Um, You know, now I've taken, I've taken an AR out to 600 yards, Mm -hmm. but it's, I mean, that's pretty much you that bullet doesn't have anything left in it at 600 yards. Right. Um, how do we choose a caliber? If we want to say, Hey, look, I want to be a long range and I define long range at, I don't know, thousand, 1500 yards. Mm-hmm. How, that, that bullet decision changes at that point. Right.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of it is, it comes back to budget because can you afford to have a hunting rifle separate from your long range rifle, or do they need to both do the same thing? Right. Um, I, I've got a, uh, here I'll turn this. I've got a Christensen Carbon Custom up here yeah. and 338 Lapua with a loophole Mark five HD because that whole setup is like eight and a half pounds. So when I'm traversing elk country, it's easy to carry. And then right. I've got a, custom built 15 pound hunk of metal here 38 lapua that shoots pretty much at the range um so if it needs to do both you need to pick one caliber that can not only take down animals but also can punch paper and vice versa i think it kind of goes the other way anything can punch paper but is it going to bring down an animal at what you consider to be long range Right. So bullet selection, it, it all so I interview new people all the time that want to get into long-range shooting, and they'll see me out at the range of like, how do you do that? And it's like, okay, well, what's your level of expertise on shooting? What's your level of knowledge and how often do you shoot? Because I'm not going to put a new shooter behind a at Lapua because every time that minor emergency goes off when you pull the trigger, they're going to start yeah. getting trigger shy, gun shy. And uh, I'd rather start a new shooter on a two twenty three and let them learn about wind um, yep. and then get them into something else. But if you can't afford that, like I always tell people, if you've got a rifle, 243, 308, 65 Creedmoor, who I said the Creedmoor word, um, <laughs> if you have something like that, work with that. Once you master that and you start out shooting that, get into long range. If you've got the budget and you know you, you got some disposable income as far as being able, like you said, keeping that perishable skill trained um and you can go spend some money on reloading stuff like yeah many boxes of bullets um i love going out and taking a 5.56 or 223 to to a thousand yards with a 77 grain bullet it's just fun because not a lot of people do it um buck doyle has a great class out there um working them out to a thousand yards um clint smith used to i don't think he's still doing it in lakeview anymore um but you can get into something that does both or you can, you know, pick around. That's going to bring down an animal and punch paper. I think it kind of goes to the hunting first. If the, if it's not going to bring down an animal, you're kind of pissing in the wind because anything can punch paper.
0: Yeah. So like I said, it goes rock, back. To- a, yeah. A rock will go through paper. It's not going to necessarily take down an elk.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, at a thousand yards a five, five, six punches cardboard, but, um, I don't know
0: that there's it was nothing. Left it. A there's, yeah, there's nothing yeah, there's nothing left of it. Yeah, it hits yeah, you and you, falls
1: on the ground, like oh, bad guy over there, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh and it comes down to what are you hunting? You know, are you hunting moose in Alaska or are you hunting antelope in Wyoming, uh elk in Montana? What what are you doing? Everybody out there has an opinion and I really don't care what it is. Um if our grandparents, well, your age, um but my grandparents have killed a lot of elk with two forty threes, 308s. 308s um, up in Alaska. There's a lot of 303 British that the natives have, and they bring down everything from muskox to moose to brown bear. And, and in a hunting in the hunting world, it's all about shot placement. Obviously, you need enough energy to carry into that animal to get to the vitals or to break bone, depending on what you're doing. But you, you got to be able to hit what you're aiming at. If you take a 50 BMG out to hunt brown bear and you miss the damn thing, it doesn't matter what you're shooting. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it comes down to what are you hunting me? I like a, a hunting rifle that'll kill anything. So I've got about um, that 38 Lapua. I can load it to, you know, shoot mule deer. I wouldn't take it for antelope. I'm, I'd take something smaller, but I do a lot more big game hunting and coyotes. I really don't care what I hit a coyote with as long as I hit it. So it's really fun yeah. to shoot them with Lapua. Um, it comes down to budget, budget budget, budget.
0: okay, so so we need to think about the budget first, yeah, um you know, think obviously we want to think about the purpose. So let's just say, um we're gonna have we'll take the we'll take the mythical two thousand dollars that we you threw out earlier. Okay. Uh, I have two thousand dollars. I'm not gonna go hunting. I just want to do i I just want to hit steel at a, at a long distance just because, well, I like hearing steel ring, you know, a couple of seconds later after I pull the trigger. Um, what are we going to, where are we going to start with that? If 2000, that's your budget out the door. Mm-hmm. So
1: not just rifle and optic, but you need to buy everything.
0: Yeah. With 2000. Well, bucks. Just to start, just to start, let's just assume I have disposable income to keep the skill up. Okay. To do my initial purchase. I have $2,000. Okay. Um, I think if you have if you have
1: money to keep going,
0: uh,
1: are you hunting with it or just long range target?
0: Just just long range. This is just a long range, you know, ring steel type of weapon Um, or uh, maybe, you know, ring steel, but still have a decent amount of accuracy.
1: Okay, Um, I think where you were at with the Ruger Precision Rifle, um, Bergara, you'll see a lot of Bergars on firing lines doing uh, PRS stuff. You'll see, yeah. uh, you can get into those for less than a grand. And it, there's this adage out there. You got to spend three times the amount on your scope that you do on your gun. I, I disagree because I've got an $8,000 rifle there. And I don't know if there's a $24,000 scope in the market. So it it all depends.
0: Well, I, on, I have a scope laying around here. I'd be more than happy to sell you for $24,000. <laughs> well, I mean yeah. I got a I got a Vortex strike eagle sitting right there on an AR. I'm more than happy to sell you for $24,000. I'm sure you would be. I bet you'd even drive it
1: to me for that price. But I, I would, yeah. You, you. <laughs> so it I, it I would even buy you dinner. <laughs> that's mighty nice of you, Jason. I, I you know what? I'll think about it. I'll call you. Okay, Don't wait yeah. up. I'll I'll wait. I'll wait for that call. Okay. But anyways, um, so yeah. So you know the biggest thing. When you're looking for an optic, how far out do you want to go at a thousand yards? There's not a lot over five, six hundred bucks that won't do that. Um, you know, look at a base. Do you need the 20 minute of angle extra on the base? You know, it depends on how much adjustments in the scope that you purchase. Um, I like to go, you know, 20 MOA on the base just because, um,
0: gives gives you a a better starting point.
1: Yep. Um, you're probably going to be in the six millimeter, 6.5 millimeter area. Um, a 308 will do it. And you're going to get some haters on here that say, oh, my 308 will do everything a 6.5 will do. You're, you're kind of right. Um, it, and again, it, it goes back to are you a new shooter that doesn't really know much about recoil? Are you recoil sensitive as a experienced shooter? Cause some people are, if they're trained wrong or yep. somebody gave them a 30 out six at eight years old, they're jerking the trigger every time they pull it. Um, I'd go six millimeter or 6.5 because the 264 bullet, the BCs are ridiculous. Um, The six millimeter BCs are hard to beat, 6.5. And uh, we'll talk about BC later, but I would go with like a man, I got to be careful about optics I plug on here.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, let's put it this way if you put the money into the gun, right? Mm -hmm optics can always be upgraded absolutely right yep because it's it's a lot harder to upgrade the rifle than it is to put optics on right i mean it it depends on where you go you
1: you're right for the lower budget stuff um i would rather have somebody get a really good optic and and have that be the end all be all optic because you're getting, you're getting used to that reticle. You're getting used to that, the way the, the eye box is and all that. And when it comes to long range, everything's got to be repetitive. You've got to be able to, you know, not worry about every time you pull that thing up, you know, what you're looking at, you know, how, how it focuses and all that. So I would say, you know, get the optic and there are plenty of guys out there running Bergars at 1500 yards. I see it all the time. Um, I actually shoot with a guy that runs a B 14 and it's in six five creedmoor and he stretches his out to 1500 yards with mine i've got a custom so um getting getting a reputable name not just an expensive name um getting something that's reputable that you know will shoot good it it comes down to you're gonna have to spend a little more than 600 bucks you don't have to spend upwards of a thousand but you're gonna want to put about I'd say a minimum of seven to seven hundred to a thousand bucks in optics, because at range you need to be able to focus. And yeah, nice. through any ten power scope, I can see a thousand yards, but can I focus? And can I right. see mirage? So you're gonna and that's a video for another day. But
0: yeah, you need to be able to focus. And that's all things we're taking so much stuff, compressing yeah. it down to an hour. Right. Um, this is this is really the teaser of. I want to do this. This is just a lot of stuff that I just don't know. uh, That we're trying to get this up. Yeah.
1: And it used to be, you had to custom load. Everyone says, you know, my grandpa reloaded to save money in a hunting application. That is not true. You're not putting enough rounds down range to load a case five times. Yeah. In a long range shooting world, the reason you reload is for consistency, not necessarily to save money. Um, you'll be much more consistent with good reloads than you will be with factory ammo. There's some really good stuff out there. Hornady makes some, uh, there's a couple of companies loading burger bullets and they're match grade. But uh, I've, I've done some tests here with some buddies where we demilled a couple of those and you'll have a half to 0.7 grain difference in, in each case. Man. And that's just not going to do it. it. It'll work, but it's not going to be as repetitive. You know, you won't get, know good consistent results. So, okay. I would say I I, I can't I got to be careful with optics right now cuz I'm working with with people on some but
0: uh, Yeah, I know yeah, you've got you've got a lot of stuff for everybody in the audience either watching or listening. Mike's got a lot of stuff behind the scenes that he really can't talk about. Um but uh the stuff he's doing he he's yeah, he's 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 the real deal on this stuff. Um but okay, so we So we have a rifle, right? So we have a rifle. We have we have a scope. Let's talk ammo because that's really where I mean. There's a reason why we don't run 87 octane in you know in a NASCAR, right? Right. I mean, we got now now we got what's really going to get this thing out there. We got we got our scope. We got our rifle. Yeah, we got our scope. Got our rifle. Let's talk ammo. I mean, earlier talking about BC, which is ballistic coefficient. Yeah, talk. Talk to me a little more about that. I think it's a good time to talk about ballistic coefficient.
1: So ballistic coefficient goes into, it's pretty much drag. Like how much drag is, what's holding this bullet back from flying through the air smooth? Um, It's kind of, to break it down, uh, a low BC bullet doesn't carry energy as far as fast. So the higher ballistic coefficient you have, the less drag is on that bullet, which is why a 6.5 millimeter or a 6 millimeter carries more energy out at range than a 308 does because that 308 has a lot more drag pulling it back so you know you could send a a 308 and a 65 creedmoor out at the same velocities and a 65 creedmoor is going to perform better downrange because of the higher ballistic coefficient and you know anybody getting into new shooting should definitely research you know sectional density ballistic coefficients all that stuff and how it affects you downrange. And I, I work with new shooters all the time. You know, they'll go out and buy a bullet that I've never used. And they're like, well, this is my BC. Like, well, let's figure that out. And it's never really the BC because every round you get, on the box, it's going to say you're going to have a G1 and a G7 yeah. ballistic coefficient. I'm going to bring you
0: full screen here. Go ahead and hold that thing up. So you got your ballistic coefficients here, right there. Okay, cool. And
1: that's what the factory says they are. So when you get out and you shoot, and you you get a let's say you go with Applied Ballistics or a Revic or Vortex or Hornady DOF or any of those, and you plug in your ballistic coefficient. You know your velocity because you bought a chronograph which you're going to need there's ways to do it without a chronograph we'll talk about that here in a little bit but um when you get out to range and you go wait i'm i'm plus or minus a couple inches here at five six seven hundred yards but i'm zeroed at a hundred and with this velocity that i know i'm getting i'm still my elevation is different well your ballistic coefficient might be different and that could be simply the round it could be the rifle it could be all sorts of things so there's ways to reverse calculate ballistic coefficient based on velocity at target and at zero. So um, once you know your BC and there's diminishing BCs, there's all sorts of things to talk about, you will be a better shooter and and you'll be more accurate. Another thing you can do if you don't have a chronograph and you don't wanna spend the money, you can get a chronograph fairly cheap, but if you don't wanna spend the money on it, you can reverse calculate that with your app at range so you can go and do a dead hold at five or six hundred yards and then calculate your drop into your program and it'll say this is what your velocity is so you can kind of figure it out that way and we double check all of us that shoot double check all that stuff so
0: yeah uh, it's like even as a pistol shooter for for me doing my competition loads, which by the way earlier I couldn't remember what the speed I was running my my nine uh, millimeters at. Where Mike and I were talking for like fifty minutes before we even hit the record button about different stuff. Um, um, you know, even as a pistol shooter, I know what my speeds are. My nine millimeters for competition shooting, I'm running. Uh, I think at, at 1150 uh, feet per second. It's just above supersonic. Yeah. Um, and it is mostly for, um, I'm keeping that for knockdown power for plates at, at a distance. Right. Uh, otherwise, you know, like we were talking about things like, you know, my 45s, I can run slower because I got a lot of lead going down. You know, I got a lot of energy that it's going to transfer right. uh, nine millimeter. I run them a little hotter because well, I, I need that energy at a farther distance. But anyways, so yeah, there is chronographs are not expensive, uh, Actually, I think I bought, you know, the one I have, uh, mine's a competition of electronics. Um, I ended up buying it with points off my credit card on Amazon. It wasn't, I mean, it, it, it wasn't, bucks. it wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't expensive at all. And then it, it ended up being free with the points that I had off of my credit card. Right. So,
1: yeah. I so use it, a chronograph to get me started. I, I use a chronograph oh. so that I'm not wasting ammo trying to figure out what I'm doing. It gives me a starting point. Um, but a chronograph is also going to tell you how much difference in deflection you have in every round. So if you fire 10 rounds through your chronograph and they're off by, you know, 45 feet per second, you've got a problem either in the factory ammo or you're reloading. So a chronograph is going to tell you what you're working with, and it's going to get rid of certain variables. Like, is it me? Is it the ammo? Is it my reloading process? Because if you can't have consistent loads,
0: you're not going to be consistent downrange. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the thing for me being a pistol shooter. If I got ones coming out at 1150 and the next one's coming out at 1160, my my distances are so short, it's not going to matter. Right. Right. But 10 feet per second, multiply that out over a thousand yards. Yeah. And I I challenge people when you're
1: playing with your programs, um, do up a load for, let's say, 3000 feet per second and look at it at a thousand and then drop it by 15 feet per second and look at it at a thousand. It, it can be significant. And especially when you talk, talk about ELR, you know, a mile or beyond it's horrible. I mean, if you're, you know, 10, 15 feet per second off it, king of the two miles a miss. So getting, getting your process down to be repeatable is important. And if you go buy, you know, 10 boxes of one lot of ammo they might be off by a little bit. Then you go get a different lot, they might be off a little bit more. So that's why I say like you will not outshoot your gun or your rifle whatever yeah. you pick for years if you ever do. If that rifle is repeatable at 3 quarters of a minute or half a minute, um you may never outshoot that rifle. So yeah. It comes down to you know you create a system that you can use that's repeatable and you know It'd be like step Steph Curry a freaking woman's basketball and saying, go out and sco- score 40 points tonight. He's going to have to shoot with it for a little while. You can't you yep. can't just change a variable that's that big and expect the same results. Cool. The shotgun yep. guys, velocity is important for lead. Pistol guys, it's important because you barely want to spit them out there so you're not recoiling too yep. much, but you still got to knock the plate down. And for us, inches equal feet. Feet equals misses, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. For me being a pistol shooter, um, I'm putting a lot more lead downrange. <laughs> mine is always the follow-up shot that I'm thinking about. Yep. Um, the the second that I squeeze that trigger, I'm already either one or two shots ahead of that bullet. Yep. Right? Because I'm already – I've already got planned – yeah, exactly. Um Whereas you guys, you know, I'm under a time pressure, right? I got to clear the stage in like ten seconds, mm-hmm. and and even in ten seconds, I might be like thirtieth place at that point, right? Whereas for you guys, you're you're laying down, you've you've got time, right, to to shoot that. Yep, yeah, it depends With, on what you within you're doing reason, within yeah. reason, right? Absolutely within reason. Um, But you're looking at you know, God, I mean, you think about it going downrange. That's I I like to say you know millimeters or inches. Mm -hmm. um, But like you were talking about, it's it's a lot. There's a lot of inputs that go into this, which is you know I like to like I say I'm a a pistol shooter that likes it that wants to be a rifle shooter, but at the same time I also know I'm a lazy shooter, right? That's why I shoot pistols. I'm not trying to put I'm not trying to put a nine millimeter slug through through a piece of paper and then take another nine milliliter so and put it through the same hole. Right. Um, as long as I'm within this big, you know, something this big, it's still an A zone hit. I'm good. I need to be a minute of tendering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So we we've been talking about a lot of stuff and then earlier you're talking about, okay, you know, go to a class. What homework should I do as a shooter before I get to that class? I mean, I shouldn't come into this class completely cold. Correct. Um, there's, there's
1: classes for people like that who to me, they're they're, It's very lucrative for the school because they get to do a lot of teaching in the classroom and not on the range, which doesn't cost them anything. Which except is, an hour. Which
0: is cheap. Yeah,
1: it is. So, um, I recommend going out and figuring out the mathematic aspects. Uh, major John Plaster put out a great book, um, I can't remember what it's called i think it's the ultimate sniper or something like that um and he was a a sniper school instructor for the us military and uh you can go out and get books and just start teaching yourself the mathematic part of it understanding what a bc is understanding you know velocity how it affects stuff wind how to read wind is a big one like if i can feel it on my face but vegetation's not moving or if vegetation's moving But at what stage? Is it the grass? Is it leaves? Is it the branches? Is it the whole tree? Um, Understanding that stuff before you go will be a big advantage to you because at a lot of schools that you go to, they will start to kind of separate students out. And the more advanced you appeared to be, the more good instruction you're going to get. And the schools will never admit this. But when I go and do instruction stuff, I'd rather work with a guy that's more advanced then teach the guy how to use crayons in a coloring book over here <laughs> because <laughs> I enjoy seeing the success over here and the guy's closer to my skill level. So everybody, they're going to put somebody with you over here, but it's probably going to be one guy with three or four of you going, okay, we need a zero. And we, until we get a zero, we can't go over here with these guys. So yeah. over here, you might be getting one-on-one. Over here, you're back in the classroom, but you're paying for trigger time. So I would say making sure you understand, making sure that you know, you know the basic fundamentals: breathe, relax, aim, squeeze. Knowing how to hold steady, breathe, pull the trigger at the proper moment. If you can repeat that at 100 yards, you're, you're workable. If you can't, if you're shooting groups like this at 100 yards, you're not going to get far in the class. I mean, they're going to get you out, ring and steel, at six, seven, eight hundred yards. Maybe not consistent, or they'll have you shoot at a bigger target than everyone else. And you, you hear ting and you're like, yay, but you're wasting your money. So I would say, know the math. Um, and the other question is, are you bringing your own setup or are you using theirs? If you're bringing your own setup, you need to be more intimately involved with that setup before you go, as opposed to, you know, am I going to the Gunworks Academy in Cody, Wyoming? And they're going to give me a whole setup because they're going to try to sell it to me when the class ends. So yeah. I recommend bringing your own setup because, you know, you can come shoot mine for a week and you're going to go home and be like, man, I wish I had that one, but you've got yours. So I'd yeah. rather somebody bring their setup to me and I don't have to learn their setup. I just need to know the ballistics. So All right. I'm coaching fundamentals and they're using their own setup. So I'd recommend taking classes where you bring your own stuff and it's usually cheaper because they don't have overhead. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, learn the math, learn the, external ballistics portion of it before you go as much as you can and, uh, get yourself a wind meter, a cheap one. Don't go buy a Kestrel. Um, there's nothing wrong with Kestrel. Plenty of people use them. A lot of competition people use them. I don't use a Kestrel. Um, it goes back to dope for me, but to, to know if you're right in the wind, like I will have people go buy a $20 wind meter and we'll be out at the range and be like, what's the wind doing? Well, we're just unpacking. I don't care. What's the wind doing? Well, it's full targets there. Well, it's full value, five mile an hour. Well, pull out your wind meter. That's actually seven. So knowing the difference. And then we start pointing out, you know, what are the trees doing? What are the branches doing? And you just randomly quiz people throughout the day. But you can do that at your house. Like me, I go let the goats out every morning. I put the goats away every evening. And I always find myself noticing like, oh, the wind
0: shifted, which at my property doesn't happen very often. So uh, that's kind of uh, uh, I like where you're going with this because it's you are paying attention to everything in your environment. You're trying to control. You can't control everything, but you need to understand everything that's happening to make subtle changes. Mm-hmm. Like like we were talking before, it's you know I, you know like I say millimeters or inches. Well. What's the difference between five millimeter uh, five mile an hour wind and seven millimeter uh, mile an hour wind? That, depending on the bullet, it could mean a lot. It could bullet and distance absolutely. Yeah, so you know, paying attention and understanding the environment is huge on that. Again, Mm -hmm. that's why I say I'm a lazy shooter. I don't want to. I just see Mike. I just I just want to sit there and go, Mike. Just tell me where to where to aim this damn (sighs) thing. You all know, right. I, have, I have people
1: that come out and they want to shoot and they're like, all right, I'm done learning. Just dope my scope so I can make the thing go ting. I'm like, okay,
0: I'll do that, but what did you really learn? So it's it, it, it's kind of funny. It's like it's like uh it's almost like being a hunting guide for rich people, right? They just <laughs> can't there's a nice broadside shot of an elk, and this gun is exactly set up, and all you gotta do is just aim it at it, right? Yeah, they just um, walked it out on a halter and took the halter off, read the ear tag to make sure it's what you paid for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but Columbus. I mean there's a lot of there's a lot that goes on to this stuff that um and that's why I wanted to get you on because there's a there man, I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's just my uh me paying attention more to rifle stuff, but it seems like in the last three years, long range shooting has just exploded. Yes. Um, I think that's because as technology
1: gets better, you know, when I was young, my dad was a a sniper in the army. And uh, when I was younger, we lived in Alaska. We didn't shoot very long range. I think the longest range we had was 400 yards around the house. And people were amazed that my dad could shoot very effectively at that range. I mean, you're talking inch and a half, you know, one inch. And people were like, how in the heck? And they're bringing out, you know, their savage, you know, what was it the big one uh it was like a savage 900 or whatever anyway the lever gun and yeah. uh my dad's like well it starts there that's a three minute gun and they're like what's that mean he's like okay well yeah. three inches at a hundred six inches at 200 nine inches at 300 so on and so forth um or yeah anyway so six it's three and be six and then at 300 yeah. yards nine so anyway people would uh people would be like well What's that mean? He's like, well, I'm shooting just a Remington 700. I think he had a police model uh, in 308. And everybody was like, well, how do you do that? There's just no desire because the hunters want to fill freezers and the shooters want to shoot. But once I think for me, it was when I got out of the military, I was like, okay, I was kind of constrained with what I couldn't couldn't do based on what we couldn't get. So I got out and I was like, I want to go spend all this freaking money and do all this stuff that I never got to do before, but I want to use all those fundamentals I learned. Um, and the military is going to make you do it the hard way because what's going to fail first on you. Anything with batteries. Yeah. Technology
0: fails first.
1: So you take a lot of these guys that I go shoot with, you know, we'll go run a mile with a six, five Creedmoor, a six GT or something like that. And, uh, take the rangefinder away from them and take them out to a spot they've never been to and say, okay, shoot a mile. They're going to go, well, where's the target? Well, it's at a mile. Yeah, Where's that at? I don't know. Over there. Well, how far is that? Shoot at that. How far is it? That's going to be the biggest thing. So, you know, they taught us how to use reticles to range find. They taught us the having method, which I'm a big fan of Why well, Figure out how far the target is when I can pick a spot halfway to the target, figure out whether that is and double it, double it. Okay. So, there's, yeah. there's different things. And I think once they started getting good with the technology, where they put all these ballistic programs and rangefinders, and the average guy can take it out at six, 700 yards, go, ooh, 2.3 MRAD, M- yeah. okay, ping, and hit it in no wind. Um, I think once the technology catches up, people are like, well, I want to do that. Because everybody wanted a, a manual car back in the day, even when automatic yeah. started being prevalent. Now automatics are faster than manuals because of shift speed or shift timing. So no yeah. one's running manuals anymore, even in the, even, in even the, in the
0: supercar. Yeah. You, even the supercars, they're, they're measuring shift speed in milliseconds.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: I mean, there, there's no human in the world that can shift in a mill in, in three milliseconds and three milliseconds for everybody out there is damn fast. Um, that was you tell your wife. <laughs> exactly uh i am a computer guy and we do we do measure stuff in milliseconds uh, <laughs> oh that's millimeter I, I thought we were talking millimeter sorry uh demonetized <laughs> demonetized uh, demonetize, definitely demonetized in that comment uh, <laughs> but anyways i mean yeah technology has caught up so much and has made things so fast and automated um I I I yeah, like like you're you hold hold my cell phone up, I can just type a bunch of crap in, it's gonna spit things out and I can do all this stuff. But yeah, you don't have the luxury of doing that out in the field. Mm-hmm. Um now, we'll know. use
1: we'll use the technology like uh you know in Iraq, we had all the cool stuff, but we knew how to work without it. And the old timers in the shooting world are upset that everybody's flooded. I mean. Everybody from soccer moms to um, sponsored shooters are out on the firing line, and you have these sponsored shooters that are getting paid a lot of freaking money, getting beat by these people that shouldn't even be on the line with them. But what do they say? God created all men. Sam Colt made them equal. Like, yep. There, this is an equalizer, and I think that's why you're starting to see people poking out to two miles because. This doesn't do two miles. This does two miles. And understanding how, you know, that's that's why ELRs
0: yeah. that's why ELRs catching on It's like, right. <laughs> I you you can have your technology. I'm going to shoot in an area where you can't where where your technology fails. Correct. And you all those guys and
1: I, I have a bunch of them. I have a bunch of phone numbers for guys that you'll see on the two mile range, and they uh, will tell you that they're still using all the cool stuff but the verification is here like they're looking at their range cards you know they've shot on that range they know exactly what they're looking at they use stuff but dude sitting there looking through the spotting scope with a towel over the thing calling out the wind call he's not using a kestrel no so i think the old timers have gotten upset because they're like oh it's flooded with people but the old timers are all using the new technology too. They're just mad that it's now popular. So yeah. <laughs> but it, if it's, if the EMP goes off, you know, and all the tinfoil yeah. hat wearing people um that that knew how to work without this, they're gonna be a lot more effective than the people There's, out there who the, need their range finders. They're still
0: the, e- they're still eating, yeah, they're still eating deer and elk. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I was at a I was at a night shoot one time. Uh, so this was pistol competition. Mm-hmm. And they opened the night shoot up to any technology. You're use any technology for this night shoot. So there's people out there with nods and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, oh, this is going to suck. I'm just out here with a flashlight. I bet you were and better with a flashlight than they were with their nods. Well, the way that this, this shoot worked was – each range or each stage was set that whatever technology you were using failed. Ooh. Right. So you would get to, you know, these guys were up there and I'm out there with a flashlight. These guys were not just, just popping things off I'm Like, holy crap. I, I, I'm like outclassed here, but then I get to the next thing and then it's backlit. It, you know, it's a backlit uh, you know, uh, targets with light that's incompatible with Nod's. And these guys don't have a flashlight. <laughs> See, when I was oh. running,
1: I ran a freaking IR filter on a flashlight when I ran Nod's. So if my Nod's failed or I met a bunch of you know Marines who, and that's no offense to Marines, but a lot of you guys didn't have Nod's in the beginning of the war. You know, squad leaders or team leaders that have them, but not everybody else. So they're calling for loom, illuminating targets while we're trying to sneak yep. through the streets and be quiet. And boom, loon goes off, and we're like, "Whoa!" Oh, nods up, and I take my IR filter off my flashlight, and now I have white light. So, like you said, once something fails, you yeah. have to have a backup.
0: Yeah. So that was the that was the greatest thing. They, they didn't tell anybody that they were purposely going to make technology fail. Just the course of fire. It's a night shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I I got. I'm not gonna lie. I got my ass handed to me in that shoot because they're they're Azo- They had a hell of a lot more A-zone shots than I did, especially on the on the things where their technology didn't. But when you get into the stages where their technology failed, I'm just sitting out there with a little flashlight, <laughs> popping azone zone targets. Um, so yeah, it, technology is great, but you do need to have the backup to it.
1: Absolutely. And and the best way to, like you said, the backup to technologies up here
0: yeah,
1: or what you have written down. Because if this quits working and all your dope is in here, you're You're just like everybody else. So that's why I have my range book, it's upstairs I think. I do have it in Excel format so that I can sort by column. So if I go out and we got a 60% humidity day and my humidity is uh, column C, I'll sort by column C and go down to my 60s and then look at everything then i'll sort by column b so c then b and go on that way or if it's a really windy day i'll sort by wind which is column b and then figure everything else out and it kind of makes things easier for me but i don't like to rely on this i still will like everybody else but i like the fact that i could go out and i can shoot any any distance i need to maybe not that i want to but any distance i need to without my phone or a ballistics program.
0: Well, I mean, you think about it, go out in the middle of the woods where there's no cell phone towers and see how long the battery of this thing lasts because you forgot to turn on, you know, the, uh, uh, not the, what's the airplane, airplane mode, right? Mm-hmm. So it's searching basically for you forgot helmet. to, yeah, because the thing's searching for signal the entire damn time. Right. Um, so, yeah, t- you know, technology is going to fail. Uh, it's just... I mean, what, what's I mean you, in, in military? One, uh, two is one, and one is none, right? Yep. Absolutely. Well, everything in here—that's one. Now it's none. Yeah. Um, so so. But going back to uh, part of the budget,
1: like I, I wrote, just a few notes when we before we started. Um, the training is the most important. If you can, if you can't afford everything, get a class, and whether that's you know. Go into Gunwork Shooting Academy or and I don't keep pump pumping gunworks because I'm affiliated with them or anything. Um, but they're well known. So I just use that yeah. as a
0: everybody everybody well, knows everybody knows what gunworks
1: is. Yeah. You can go shoot anywhere. You you can come, you know, play in the woods with a guy like me who's more interested in getting new people into the long-range shooting. And I love teaching. I was a four skills instructor when I was in law enforcement. Um, I obviously did quite a bit of instruction when I was in the military with you know, foreign militaries and whatever but um i think that it's important to get the training because that's going to last a lot longer than the ammo you purchase if you buy 500 dollars with the ammo or you go to a 500 to 750 dollars school you're going to get more out of that 750 dollars school than the ammo you bought yeah. um, because you you need things that they're going to provide you that maybe you can't afford right now they're going to provide you with a range rangefinder they're going to provide you with a wind meter They're going to provide you with ammo they're going to provide you with all that stuff but the the things the notes that you take while you're there that's the other thing go there to take freaking notes write everything down put it on paper they're going to give you if it's a good school they're going to give you formulas where you know you need to know what to plug in for x you need to know what to plug in for this and blah 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 so if you're going to go go as a sponge soak up everything and then bring it to your practical application. Is when it comes to range finders, as long as it'll work for what you need it for, I mean you can you can go. I don't know if you can see this behind me, but that's a Vectronics Terrapin right there. Over
0: here. Yeah. Put your full yeah, screen there. You
1: you don't need a Vectronics Terrapin. This thing's all backwards. You don't need it. <laughs> but I wanted it because it, you know, I get consistent ranges out to 2,500 yards on non-reflective targets. You can go buy a set of binos. I think it's the SIG Kilo 10K where you get non-reflective. It's crazy. And they're a set of binos. Um, I'm not affiliated, so I got to be careful anyway. Um, There's plenty of things. Everybody offers something, you know, Vortex, SIG. I think uh, uh, Loophole just put out a I think the BX 4s or whatever that have uh, applied ballistics built in, the Vortex Furies. There's plenty of things you can do, and that's another way to save money. If you're a hunter and a long-range shooter, get yourself a set of range-finding binos, and that's one less thing you have to carry on your kit, so you don't have to have your binos and your rangefinder. You can have all in one. So um, there's certain things that you do need for both and certain things that you don't need if you're going to do just one.
0: Well, it's funny. I was, It didn't hit me before, but thinking about going back to the class where you're talking about being a sponge, that's kind of an advantage of going to um, going to a school where they supply you the gear, right? Mm-hmm. Where that you got the rifle and there, the, you know, y- there are some basics of zeroing and that you need to understand. But if you're going to get, you know, trigger time where you're starting to work the all the, you know all the figures and the and all the formulas that's less time that you have to worry about your gun right mm-hmm. plus plus you don't have to clean it when you're done <laughs> so another thing I, if i can give one little piece
1: of advice i will never say I, that the it's not worth it to buy the well it really isn't if you go to a class and they provide a rifle and they provide a rangefinder and they provide an optic don't buy the damn thing at the end of the class I'm not going to mention any names, but maybe a company that we talked to about prior that has a class, they're going to try to sell you a $15,000 setup. That is less than a $15,000. That's a 375 enabler. Um, It's a two mile setup. I'm into that for about 11 grand. And that is way overkill for anything you'll need. I'm into that Christensen over here with the optic for about 3,500 bucks. And then this competition set up here, this 338 Lapua, I had Preston Krause build this for me. It's called a mortician. And I'm into this whole thing with the optic for about 6,500 bucks. So once you go use somebody's high name, high end with their stamp on it, the reason they sell that to you is because you go out there and they're going to shoot you at 1,000 or 1,500 yards. And you're gonna like, I'm going to take this because it saves me. I know exactly how it works. Then you're going to bring yeah. it home you're going to shoot at different elevation with different pressures, different humidities. None of your dope works. You're going to have to redo everything, but they maybe didn't teach you how to do that or you don't remember how to do it. So go use their stuff and then go get yourself a custom rifle built for half the price with an optic and then use the skills you learned to make that fit you.
0: Well, and that's the other thing is if you have something that's been built, you can ask questions about, that rifle to the person who built it who who intimately knows that gun Mm -hmm. and goes you can also say
1: i want this length of pull i want this trigger i want you know you can make that fit you and a good builder is going to say what do you want and why and there's builders out there that don't shoot much at all they build and then there's builders out there that shoot um we've got a couple here in oregon i don't get along with them very well so i'm not going to tell you their names but there's people that go out there and they shoot competitions with their rifles and they do very well, and that sells their rifles. And then there's people that go out, and their big claim to fame is, Well, I built the rifle that won this competition. And if the guy's capable, but the rifle isn't, he's not going to win. And if the rifle's capable and the guy's not, he's not going to win.
0: There's so many. Th- the problem with that is, there's so many inputs into that equation mm-hmm. that just because that's the gun that won, I mean, it, it's a manufacturing process every manufacturer has a level of reject, right? Yep. I mean, just because that is the miracle rifle that rolled off the assembly line doesn't mean the one, doesn't mean that serial number two is going to do the exact same thing.
1: Exactly. Every rifle is different. Every barrel is different. Every piece of brass is different. I mean, there is every variable you can think of that goes into it, especially when you're doing repeatability at, you know, 3,500 meters. There's, so much involved that you that people just don't even understand. And the cool thing is these guys shooting King of the Two Mile, they, they will tell you exactly what their setup is. Um, you'll see these guys, there's some Facebook forums where a lot of these guys are talking to people and they're trying to explain to people what their process is, how they do it, because they're already at the top. You know, they're yeah. not going to give you enough information over Facebook Messenger to make you better than them. They can tell you everything they know, you still have to be able to go out and do it. But you'll well, also find people on Facebook Messenger arguing with those people who have probably never shot past a 1,000 yards saying, well, I read this on the internet.
0: Like, good for you. You can read. We, yeah. we, we're we glad. Well, it's like uh, Jerry Michulik. Uh Yeah. He won't even teach his daughter his reloading process. Yep. Um, I mean, he's got... Well, he, someday, he, but not now. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um uh I mean he's he, that it's just so funny to think about that. There are there are things that just do not e- even if I told you some secret, mm-hmm. you don't have this you that skill level's here. You're way the hell down on the floor. Right. <laughs> you you can't apply this knowledge correctly, you've right. got to go through 30 steps to get to to even to this level where you can think about what i just said absolutely and i
1: think that one thing that irritates me about the gun world in general is there's so many people that i call gatekeepers um you know i'll be sitting in a gun store you know waiting on you know a 4473 to process and some lady comes in and says well i want uh, this and you'll have 15 freaking customers and they're going well you need this because of this and you know, you, you shouldn't even be shooting that. And then you'll have people that say, well, I want to get into long range, but all I have is a 308. And you'll have the 6.5 Creedmoor group say, well, your 308's trash. And I shoot a lot of 6.5 Creedmoor. So don't get me wrong, but there's nothing wrong with a 308. You can make it work. So, or people that just, you know, you don't know anything, so you shouldn't even be dabbling in this. Don't be a gatekeeper. Bring people in, teach them. You know, I I had Lupo, your your guy out here for, Yep. a week at my place. And we got them out to 1219 yards. It, it, it was what it was. You can take, if you teach somebody how to do it, you can take somebody and, and teach them, or you can you make them learn on their own. But I think that we should be more inviting and more welcoming in this community because firearms are a dying breed. There are fewer people buying guns now and actually using them than 30 years ago. And then the next 30 years, it's going to be the same thing. So the more people you teach about this, you teach your kids, your nephews, your nieces, the the better chance we have of sustaining this thing that we love. That's just my yeah, opinion. I, I,
0: no, I, I get it because you know when I was an FFL, um, you know I I had I did everything by appointment. So when mm-hmm. when you were had your appointment, you had me for that appointment, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't have me while I'm running your paperwork and then somebody. You know, beating your ear about something uh, that's completely useless you know information and scaring the hell out of you or trying to make you second guess it's one of those things is i I always thought about me I was more of a consultant than a, than a gun dealer right mm-hmm. I'm you know I had a lot of people buying their first guns what you know why do you want this what what's your purpose of it and trying to go through all this stuff? to help you make an informed decision. You might still buy the thing that is completely wrong for you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I'm here to try to walk you through a thought process because I've been shooting for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I've done a lot of things. I've taken a lot of brand new shooters out. I've had a, I, I remember taking a new shoot, you know, a new shooter out and you know, wh- what do you want? I want a desert. I want a desert Eagle 50 caliber. Why? Well, because it's cool. I'm like, have you shot anything else? No. Right, I listen, watched the matrix. Go, one time. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me take you out to the range, right? And we're going to start off on 22s. I don't want to shoot 22. You don't, you've never shot anything. How do you know what you're, you know, what you like and what you don't like? Shoot. Right. I like I like teaching initially on 22s because it's a lot easier, you know, to train on. Yeah. Um, you know, pulled out a revolver. You know, I, I don't want to shoot a revolver. You've never shot one before. And, uh, you know, I, I have them shooting 38s. You know, I would shoot some. They'd shoot some and stuff like that. And then I threw 357s in there. And they're like, what the hell was that? That's 357. I don't like that. But, dude, you want a 50. Absolutely. You know, usually, they, usually they settle in on the 9 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, and that's the thing I don't like about gun stores. You know, it, I was a small dealer. Um, you know, I was talking to another small dealer, and uh and he's like, Well, how, how do you compete with the big box stores? I go, You don't. You can't. There's no way you can compete with them. We can't buy in their volume to get their prices. Uh-huh. I go, but it's guerrilla warfare. You take you take their weaknesses and make it your strength. My strength is is. You get me, I'm here. We're going to talk about stuff. We're going to go through things. And that's where I like um, where, where you're going with this. We need to teach people, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to scare them away. We don't want to, we don't want to piss them off. We don't want anything. We want to welcome people into the sport because they are more, the more people that are in the sport, actually the stronger the sport is. Absolutely. And that goes and, back to uh, also, you're, you're a good
1: source and, I think one mistake people make, and it's just because they don't know, don't go to a gun store to figure out what kind of gun you need. And you just so happen to be an FFL that also shoots competition and has 40 years of shooting experience. I don't go to my local gun store for knowledge because I hear the things they say to people. And I'm like, I have to be quiet. Like I'm not here to ruin your business, but you're giving bad advice, people. And that 21 year old kid working behind the counter who has never done anything, and his parents were like, "Hey, I know a guy who owns a gun store. Go get a job, so you can either pay me rent or move out." He doesn't know what he's talking about, but he knows what's in the rack, and he knows yeah. that he wants to sell
0: one of them. The, and the other thing is, is that on some of these gun stores, those people get points yep. off of guns that they buy. Yep, I mean, or they, they have to sell them. a certain amount of staccatos to be able to yep. sell
1: staccato next year.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, and that's that was the thing with me, is I was a non-stocking dealer. I, I had some guns, I was a non-stocking dealer. You tell me what you want, I'll get it in for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, there's been many times like, hey, go down to this big box store and get your hand on every gun that you can get your hand on. Mm-hmm. This is what you're looking for. You know what? If you want to buy it from them, buy it from them. But if you want advice, I'm here to I'm here to help you because. I have a lot of guns. If you need, I will show you this gun. You know, if you want a Glock, great, I got Glocks. If you want a Sig, I got, we'll walk through my personal guns and I'll tell you how, why I chose them and how they fit and stuff like that. Yeah, right. it's, I, I I I love people bringing more people into this thing. It's not, it's not about, you know, even in competition, we're still having fun, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in a, I'm going to be in a squad. Yeah, I want to out shoot you, mm-hmm. but we're, we're still there to have fun. And if you're doing something stupid and I see it, I'll tell you, if I'm doing okay. something stupid, I'm more than happy to hear hear what, you know, because I have a single point of view, the back of my gun in the target. Right. But competition must is no their
1: place. When, when, when I go and I watch these things happen and, you know, do stuff around them, it's nice to see a guy, his rangefinder will go down. And, oh, shit, I didn't bring batteries. And somebody from oh. another team comes over. Here you go, bro, I got you. Or here's my range finder. Like, that is what gives you faith that this will work eventually. But there's also, like I said, the gatekeepers that are like, well, if you can't afford to, you know, buy a $20,000 setup, you don't belong in the business. Yeah. it's so, Well, you just would, got my $4,500 setup. So,
0: yeah. I, I would, <clears throat> I'd much rather you come in with what you can afford mm-hmm. than to not come in at all. Or, Absolutely. or go into huge debt over stupid stuff. Well, um, and also yeah, go should. take your
1: $2,500 setup and enter a local PRS match. And yeah. you will learn a lot from the people there. If you ask questions and you can, you know, go up to people and be like, Hey, you mind if I ask you a question? 99% of the people are going to be like, shoot. And there's a lot of downtime at competitions. So oh, yeah. go ask questions, you know, go drool over stuff. Sometimes people let you shoot their stuff. Like, there is there is plenty of time to go out, put, immerse yourself in the the thing you want to do. Don't just think, I have to spend three years doing this by myself before I show my head at a competition. Nobody cares who got second through 50th. No. Yeah. Only, only matters who got number one. So whether you're number three or 49th, you were there. And it doesn't matter, you're making yourself better, you're learning from the best. It's it's knowledge,
0: yeah. Absolutely. As long as you learn something from I mean, I had I had one shoot that I was at. Um, so well, I have it right here. Um, so my competition gun was a SIG P320 X5. Mm-hmm. The X5 was really new when I got that gun. Uh, we were at the safety briefing, and um, yeah, you know, I'm paying attention and I hear. Uh, a kid talking behind me It's and he's talking to his father and I realized the kid is looking at my holster rolling over my gun right and uh, the safety briefing was over I was talking to the father he goes yeah he, he that's the gun he, he really likes that gun and all that stuff I'm like okay um I found out what squad the kid was shooting in he wasn't in my squad because I knew I knew all my squad mates um after we were done, there was still some um, squad shooting and I went up to one of the uh, the ROs and I go hey look this kid wants he he likes my gun I like can we just like leave this one set up I'll clean it up afterwards and can we if if I can find the kid can we? he said, yeah sure so I, I found the kid I'm like come here him and his father came over I handed him three mags There's the gun there's the target have fun absolutely. I mean that's that's just what it is. The shooting community is very supportive like that. I mean, we've had people run out of ammo. Yeah, if everybody if if every single one of us pitches in two rounds, yep. You're going to get you're going to get through the uh you're going to get through the competition. So, right. and yeah.
1: that person is more likely to do that for somebody else down the range. Exactly. Exactly. If, if everyone says, but, "Well, screw you," that's less competition. He's probably not going to give up his ammo next time when somebody else runs
0: out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway, man, we've been running uh, about an hour and twelve minutes now. Uh, Mike, how do people find you? I mean, they I'm have hard, questions, or they I'm hard to learn? find, man. I uh, I like to work directly
1: with uh, with companies. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Michael Winners, um, Long Range Reaper on YouTube. I don't think I've got anything published on YouTube. Um, when you start dealing with like NDAs and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to run your own it's, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it uh, is. I'll be at shop this year. Actually, I'll be there with you. Um, yeah, you will. So we'll be at shop 2024. Uh, I'll be running around. I can see it
0: now. Mike, Mike is totally going to hand me a colored book and crayons because I'm going to be that guy at, at training, right? <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> awesome, man. We're, uh, we're yeah.
1: going to spend a week in Vegas and, and uh, try to stay out of trouble, but um, I'm, I'm not that hard to find on social media. Um, Michael Winters, uh, long range Reaper. I don't, can you message people on YouTube? uh no <laughs> okay I'm, can, I'm technologically not you really can like you
0: that. can leave you can leave comment you can leave comments on a um, video, if you want right.
1: to get a hold of me get a hold of jason and he'll ask me if i want to talk to you and, and, I, and i probably
0: will and and but. then and then when mike says no uh i'll just i'll just make it i'll just make it up yeah mike says you just yeah just give up you know yeah. 20, I, 22 a 22 caliber for for a three thousand yard shot perfect you go go with that
1: Absolutely, man. Just sling it. Indirect fire.
0: Yeah. Just am um, that thing in.
1: I'm on, Facebook's probably the easiest, and uh, there's some forums out there. I'll actually grab – I'm going to shout them out here because it's a great, great – uh, And, Mike, if
0: you, if you want, you can just drop me an email, and I'll okay. put them in the show notes for people too. Perfect. So there's
1: a Facebook group out there. I'm just going to show it right now because it's here. Um. it is called
0: here we got a full range
1: extreme long range precision shooting cool 60 plus 1000 members um i'm all over on there uh just know that you're going to see a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense there's plenty of people on here that don't know what they're talking about there's plenty of people on there that can tell you i don't know what i'm talking about but uh it's a great place to get with other people in that community and uh that isn't the place to ask questions on forums but it's a great place to go talk about or watch people talk about long-range shooting from that forum it's easy to find me I'm the only Michael winners yeah. in there rather than searching all of YouTube send me a message and I'll put you in contact with other other groups that are more like beginner startup status awesome. and I'm always willing to help people um, you know get into it answer questions best I can I'll give you I'll give you advice, but I won't get upset if you don't take it. I really don't care. So,
0: you know, yeah, just yeah. That's, that's, that's the greatest fun. thing is you're, you're so far removed from that equation. There it is. Have fun with it. Yeah, I'd rather companies just send me
1: stuff and say, you know, what do you think about this? What would you change? And give them a review, then try to convince all you people to buy it because they're paying me to do it. So, yeah, um, I'm not all out there on like social media and stuff. plug-in products. Uh, But I have a lot of stuff people have sent me because, (laughs) you know, I give an honest review. So if you ask a question, I'll always give you my opinion.
0: See, and that's the thing. People people see reviews. There's two types of reviews. There's the public review and then there's the actual product review, Mm -hmm. Um, because there are there are products that I've reviewed that have never hit YouTube or any social media because that was that was an engagement. Hey, I got this. We have this product. We you're the person that, um, has run this stuff. Let us know. There's there's been many of internal components to this pistol made by other people that I have worked with that has never hit my channel ever. Um, and I found, I have found problems and have, have advised them how to get around those problems. Um, but yeah, you're you're the, you're kind of like the the guy behind the guy.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's easier for me. I'm not a salesman, and I would be a horrible salesman because I try to give you what you need, not what they're trying to get me to sell you. Yeah. So it's easier for me, and I'm a I'm a student in all this too. I'm still learning every day. Every time I go shooting, I, I learn something new. I develop something better. Um, Every time I shoot with somebody else, I learn something and they learn something. So I like bouncing things off other people, and I like working with the companies because if I don't like your product, you know, a I'm not going to advise somebody else to get it. But what if I like your company? I would yeah. rather give you the advice from a somebody who's done it a lot and say, "Hey yeah. man, if I were you, I'd change this." And then their R and D department gets a hold of me and says, "Well, why do you say that? We did this." I'm like, "Well." This is what it did for me here. This is what this change would do to make it better. And I'm just giving you this perspective. And then I go meet with them at shot or whatever. And they're like, okay, you were right. We fixed this. What do you think? I'm like, I freaking love it. Give it back to me and I'll run it for you and see what, see what we think.
0: Well, and that's the thing is manufacturers can't test every possible variable.
1: Right. Well, a test. lot of engineers. Yeah, so, exactly. So, you know, Engineers don't shoot very often. Now, some of you companies out there are really good about having, you know, R&D people that are gun bunnies. But I would recommend, you know, don't don't buy from the guys that are like, here's my discount code. Because, you know, he's getting a portion of that. You'll probably never see me do that. Um, I get plenty of stuff that I want.
0: Wait a second. Hold on a second. I got discount codes for my sponsors. What are you trying to say?
1: So if here's the thing people Jason Jason will never tell you you should buy this because they give me a discount but no Jason also doesn't plug crap um he's not gonna go and you know hey this company I don't really have anything crap here
0: I have well actually it's funny because I I actually have a video coming out um and I'm not gonna. It's from Falco. It's a holster. I we talk, we talked about it on the phone. Yeah. Um, I had a holster from them. That, that you know I love Falco holsters. They they work really great for me. I had a holster that they've made three times. And, and that's they a custom
1: holster and a non-custom yep. holster.
0: Yeah. Exactly. This thing was you know and, and in that in in my my video about this holster, I talk about that. I'm not. I don't hide it. I've talked about it on this podcast. I even talked about it on this podcast with Falco. Um, I'm very open about if I have a problem with a product, I'll tell you about it. It's just not not every. And that's one thing I hate about some some of the stuff that happens out there. Not every product is perfect. Mm -hmm. And if you if you have someone's like, hey. Yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of products that never made it onto my channel. Right. Cause I'm just like, this is, this is crap. I'm not going to put my name um, on it. I'm not gonna put my name on it. Um, I've got a box of, of crap back in the, in the closet here of things that have never hit the channel. I am mm-hmm. like, I, I told him, I go, I, I can't there, you're not going to fix this. There's no way. I, and, and there's no way I can put this on.
1: I can't. Right. And it's not worth, you know, I could tell, you know, 20 people, Cause I get a lot of, most of my messages on Facebook are people, Hey, should I buy this? And if I was affiliated to the point where I was making money off that, you know, it would be hard for me to say you should buy somebody else's. That's why I don't like to go that route.
0: Yeah.
1: But people like you that do get paid, if people buy stuff, a reputable guy like yourself isn't going to plug crap.
0: Yeah. Well, well that's the thing is I, it, I care it. about, I care about my reputation. Absolutely, um, yeah. Uh, before I uh, before I get a discount code or even an affiliate uh, affiliate association with a company, I got to play with your stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And I got
0: I have a couple of companies. You know, I have more than a couple of companies. I have affiliate associations with, um, but every single one of those companies I've worked with, mm-hmm. and we're gonna meet a few and more I'll ones. You, and, and, and yeah, and and not every and not every product of theirs perfect.
1: Nobody's product is perfect, but there's some products that fit people better. And, you know, I'm I'm a Ford guy when it comes to vehicles because I've owned them since I was driving and they've never let me down. I'm not saying Ford's better than Chevy, unless you're one of my friends that drives a Chevy. But, um, you know, (laughs) what works for me like this, this thing here might work for some people, might not work for others. It's a it's a beast on the range, but it it might be too much recoil. It might be whatever, you know, you might want to go get something you know, less recoil or, you know, optics that I like other people might not like. And there's some people that are like Athlon until I die. Some people loophole vortex. I've got them all. I've got every different freaking scope manufacturer you can imagine. Um, But I put certain ones on my rifles that matter more. You know, my hunting rifles all have loophole Mark five HDs on them because they're light. My competition rifle has a certain scope, but. Yeah, I don't know if you can read. Yeah, it. Can read it. Love,
0: oh, that's the thing. Um, I, I love what you're talking about. There is is not every product is perfect for everybody, right? Right. Um, I mean, it, it's just that's just the way it is. You know, uh, there's a reason why I shoot SIGs in competition. I used to shoot Glocks. Mm-hmm. Um, Glocks actually what got me into competition shooting. I have a problem with my hands, and Glocks are out as ergonomic as a two by 4 mm-hmm. They call them blocks for a reason. Yeah, right. I've I mean, got like 15 you, of them,
1: so I can't talk too much crap, but yeah. I think but, block
0: got us all into shooting pistols for the most part. Yeah. I shoot mm-hmm. six. I shoot six for competition. Even then, still looking at what 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 am I gonna move on to after SIG? Um uh, well, you nothing, said that for black
1: powder not. too, back you know, when they developed the cartridge rifle, so
0: you old <laughs> black powder scares the hell out of me. I don't know what it is, but black powder scares the hell out of me. Um, there's just something that makes but, me feel
1: like Davy Crockett when I'm out there, you know, shooting black powder. <laughs> but as I'm reloading it, I'm like, how did they do this in combat? Like, you fire what your round you? and you just wait to get shot back while you're freaking yeah. doing everything you got to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, well, we've been rolling now one one hour and twenty three minutes because we always have fun. Every time I talk to Mike, we go way way over on time. Um, but Mike, let's let's loosen up. We talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, I like to loosen up a little bit with a speed round at the end. Uh, I'm going to hit you with four this or that questions, and then Ooh. one thinking question. uh Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you about the speed round.
1: Yeah, well. Oh my Wi-Fi connection gets weird, so if we get disconnected,
0: uh... <laughs> yeah, right. Find it. They're they're easy. They're they're easy questions. Well, so, sometimes strong so like anyways, bull,
1: smart like tractor. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so for a rifle caliber, six five Creedmoor or six PRC, hunting or just long range shooting in general. Let's just say that there's two rifles laying on a table. One has got six five PRC one six five Creed bar. Which one do you pick up first?
1: No, no budgetary constraints. Just dream no budgetary. World. Just
0: yeah, take the PRC. Okay, awesome. Nine millimeter or forty five? I'm a nine millimeter guy. Nine millimeter guy.
1: Over forty five. Oh Over forty five.
0: I'm a I, capacitor. I like guy. my. I like my nines. Um, my forty-five. I, I like my forty-fives too. But ask me how many nine millimeters I have versus forty-fives, and you'll understand where I go with that.
1: Well, anyone who's <laughs> ever reloaded in combat knows that it's always nice to be able to keep pulling the trigger when there's a threat.
0: Yeah, exactly. Give capacity. Uh, the, the The person that puts the most metal uh, metal lead in the air usually has an advantage. Suppressive
1: fire is a real thing.
0: It's funny. I it's funny you're talking about that. On uh, a side note, I was at a competition. Uh, shoot one time with a, a buddy of mine and uh, he's he's retired from the Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a disabled vet. We were, we we're shooting at a competition. Now, now Marines are rifle guys, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a pistol competition. And he went to slide lock on a, a Springfield XD and reloaded. Now, on pistol, if you go, and this is steel challenge, so there's only six targets. Right. And he comes walking back and they go, you know, this is competition shooting. This is not like back when you were in the sandbox. This is accuracy matters, not suppressive fire. Right. And he laughs because we're we're, we're good buddies and all that. The range officer just lost it. He just started laughing. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is, this is not suppressing fire. Accuracy counts here. Um. So that I said that, uh, uh, let's see here. So being a rifle guy, I'm going to assume that you like earplugs over ear muffs. So my next question is going to be on earplugs for hearing protection. Mm-hmm. Independent earplugs or corded.
1: If I'm running, if I'm moving at all while I shoot, they're corded. Okay. If I'm, a lot of times I run double. I'll run plugs and muffs. Yeah. Uh, if I'm shooting like the big boys, um, yeah. the, the 50 and like, stuff like, like that. The, double.
0: the 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 place that I really wish I run double is at range day at shot up on the range up on the rifles underneath yes. that. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't just, know how those guys stand there all day.
1: Over pressure for days. Yeah. yeah. Keep yeah. your mouth open so your brains don't rattle around too much. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm an independent guy. Um, I run a lot of stuff you can buy at the store. So it's not okay. not custom. Um I run a lot of stuff you can buy at the store. I like to be able, I, I wear hearing aids in my normal everyday life when I'm, you know, wanting to hear what's going on yeah so do I yeah
0: <laughs> I, yeah. Take, I take them off to put my earbuds in to do the podcast
1: <laughs> right so I like the ability to amplify sound uh, when I'm hunting I wear um independence that way I can actually hear what's going on and I can use my phone if I need to um yeah. stuff like that but I'm not a big muff fan I think muffs for me get in the way of everything I like to wear a damn hat because you know I'm I'm bald by choice oh well,
0: yeah because I don't like stuff yeah. on my
1: head yeah. Well, yeah, I'm bald by choice. So there's still a hairline
0: yeah. here. You're lucky. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, I don't like stuff on my head. I don't like to wear a hat or I, I like to wear a hat. So I don't want, you know, earmuffs going over the top of my uh, yeah. hat or underneath my hat or anything. Plus, they make you sweat so much in the heat.
0: See, and that's the thing um, for me. So since I wear a hat, you got the button right at the top of the damn hat. Yep. And that's right where that earmuff wants to sit. And then yeah, when you're out there in the heat, your ears are just sweating.
1: Have you're you just, ever like, seen the
0: sound. ones that go band around the back? Like uh so like when I was it? a kid, I still have them. When I was a kid, that was the first set of earmuffs I had where they went the, the band went around around the back. I, I ran into them like shit, man. I, like about a month ago, I found them in my garage. I'm like, I didn't even know I still had these things. So, uh, there's a company I'll get with, I'll get you with you at the company.
1: Uh, after this, there's a company that makes a set. Um, I, I can actually get you a really good discount on it. So, um, there's a company that makes a set and they're for people that wear helmets with high cutouts. Um, yeah. and they're, they're really good. I actually have them for my combat kit. You know, the kit will never end up using God willing, but, uh, if you're going to be running around, hitting the dirt, bouncing off of trees, kicking doors down, you want something that's going to attach to yourself. So for my kit, I do have muffs, but yeah.
0: yeah. See, my muffs are usually, sorry, my electronic muffs um, are usually for my lawn cutting, <laughs> cutting grass. Uh, so that way I can rock out. You know, I just throw uh, some music off my phone, just go rock out while I do or my that. Skull but, candy, uh, <laughs> my skull candy, yeah, yeah Amazon specials. Yes. Uh, no, mine are actually, uh, these ones are actually Caldwells. Um, these were uh, these are the pro, I'm looking right at them. They're the pro BTs. Uh, these were earmuffs that I had for two years before Caldwell released them. Um, I still have the original set that they sent me mm-hmm. with the problems I reported off of those um, that they fixed in the new set. But yeah. Uh um, well, the
1: first ones they put out, I, I was a I knew somebody who got a set quite early and the static was horrible back in the day.
0: Uh mine did not have the static. Uh
1: oh, you um, were lucky. He he let me wear them and I was like, How and how? Yeah, mine, mine did
0: not have the static, but mine had uh mine had other problems with them. Um when I took them out to the range and um they sent them to me. I took them out to the range, and then the next day, they had three pages of notes of what what I liked, what I didn't like, and the things that they needed to fix. That quick and that quick in a day, because I was out there. I was out there for six hours um, shooting. Uh, I had a lot of videos. I was I was running that day. I was mm-hmm. recording for, and uh, yeah, it's they were just like um okay yeah you're 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 like our tester now (laughs) um but yeah uh they're 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 i i've never had the static uh the only thing the only ones i had static on or the harbor freight ones Hmm.
1: surprise and and and
0: and there's and there's sounds you know when, when they suppress the sound um they cut everything off, not just the the the, the sh- you know the shockwave of the gun. They cut all sound off, so it's like, yeah, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, God, I got like concert, shit. yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyways, uh, let's see here for that that was number three. Number four. Well, crap. Um, uh, number four. Let's go with um. i had one okay uh here we go iron sights a red dot for what two pistols are sitting there two two pistols are sitting on the table one's one stock and one's got a red dot on it same gun
1: if if we're not talking end of the world here i'm going with the dot every time
0: okay all right
1: so it's got i mean any you you know the whole you're you're a competition pistol shooter so focus on the front sight post in a combat situation, people don't focus on the damn front sight post. They focus on the threat, and with a red dot, it allows you to focus on the threat. And it, to me, it, when you're focusing on a front sight post, you lose all peripheral vision. Yeah, so I do. like the fact that you can go two eyes open on a dot and still have your peripheral vision. I don't know. Just I'm a dot
0: guy now. Well, it's funny because I've been uh, I've been probably I haven't had a red. I didn't put a red dot on a gun until about. Four years ago i was i was too old i was ironed all the way yep so uh yeah the red dot's getting me making me lazy plus plus i have a really bad habit of racking off of my red (laughs) Um, that's
1: i i do that so when i take people out and we do certain drills especially like dead arm drills um like hey you don't have a freaking left arm anymore so you put that pistol in the crook of your knee rack it drop the mag pull the mag out put a new mag in rack it um but a basic remedial just tap rack
0: it's a lot easier with a red dot on it oh yeah it is totally is all right for your thinking question i'm going to take you to the world's largest armory oh and in this armory has one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile. Anything from Dennis and Menace's slingshot all the way up to the deck gun off the Missouri. And it's been cleared by every possible government agency, including the state of Oregon, that you can walk away with one of anything in this armory. What are you walking out with?
1: The 20-millimeter... Sniper rifle that got put out. I believe it was by Ukraine. Um, taking that one. Wait, do I have to I mean, feed this thing? Do I have to feed yes. this thing?
0: No. Yes. I'm, I, I, yeah. You see, that's always the second question that people ask. It's like, yes, you still have to feed this thing because I'm nice enough to give you the gun. That changes things. But you see, that this is, th- this is why this is the thinking question because. Everybody has a conflict of want versus need, right? What do I want versus what's practical?
1: You know what, man? If, if I could have anything that I had to feed, um, I would probably take like a 240 Bravo. Like give me a belt oh, fed nice, 308. Yeah. Give me a belt fed 762.
0: Um,
1: The, the wife might leave me, but I could afford to feed it.
0: And uh, it would be a ton. Well, of I don't it. know. With amber prices now, you might not be af- able to afford it, or at least in the near future.
1: Well, like I said, if the wife left me, oh yeah,
0: I'm going to get shot. You're totally. Uh, so that yeah, no. I, I'll tell you. Uh, I think. Uh, I, I think that is a first for that question. I have had two gal eights. Which the GAL 8 is the Gatling gun on the front of the Warhammer. Yeah, but if, if, if you, how do you feed it? Well, that's the thing is that one guy didn't care about feeding it. The other guy was a pilot and he just wanted the aircraft. He figured that if the gun is so integral to the aircraft that I had to give him the airplane too.
1: Yeah, but if you don't know how he's A- going to afford
0: was, the maintenance on the comet it, but yeah,
1: it was built around the gun. But yeah, I'd take the A10 too because I'd sell it and I'd go buy whatever the hell I wanted to, and I'd feed it. <laughs> <laughs> so sign me up for the A10. Yeah, There
0: you go. Yeah, I grew up. Um, I grew up outside of Philly. Uh, we had Will Grove Air Naval Station there, and um, there are A10s uh, out there at Will Grove, and. The A10's just got that whiny ass engine to it. Mm-hmm. And um when uh when we're when I lived in Delaware, my wife was sitting there, we're out working in the yard, and my wife is like, What the hell is that? And I go, I- I'm just I didn't even look up, go, that's an A10. She goes, You didn't even look. I go, You can't miss Don't that engine. I need to. Yeah, you can't miss that engine. So well any well, like anybody that, who's who's been
1: in close contact in Iraq or Afghanistan can tell you that the sound of an A10 is a beautiful sound.
0: Yeah. Yes. Beautiful yeah, that's that is uh that is just one I, why the air force wants to kill that aircraft I have no idea.
1: It it makes sense and that's obviously a discussion for another time but survivability in a contested air environment that thing is slow and it's hot and uh, service to air missiles it has stands oh, no yeah. chance so it comes down to survivability yeah. but true. i tell you what if you have air superiority and you're not worried about a local SAM network uh service air missile network there is nothing other than like an AC one thirty specter that's gonna put that amount of firepower into one spot and fly yeah. well damn near broken
0: yeah yeah with a triple so, redundant uh yeah I mean, the,
1: yeah. the the pilot sits in like a titanium bathtub.
0: The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can
1: fly with one ing, one wing and one engine. I mean, it's well, funny. See, uh, the Afghans still shoot at him with AKs. It's like, okay, well, sweet. I just saw your muzzle report, so yeah,
0: now you're <laughs> well, like, next pass. See, seeing the uh, the seeing the pictures of the A10s coming back, where they came back and they had big holes in the wing, mm-hmm. and. And the pilot's just like standing in the middle of his wing with this big hole. It's just like how did how did that thing even generate lift? <laughs> you know? Because the flaps are like a whole freaking wing. Like yeah.
1: yeah. And the, the they produce so much power for what they are. Yeah. The whole thing's just intense, man. It's, it's
0: a, yeah, it is.
1: And then you it's see so it up easy. close. Like I got I got a chance to meet some of our pilots at, at uh, Baghdad International Airport i walked up gave him a big hug i was like you guys are my best friend when all hell breaks loose other than doc you guys are probably my best friend so
0: (laughs) so well mike man thank you so much for coming on man it's great seeing you and having you on the show i really appreciate you taking some time out especially with a, a screwed up of a day that was for you today um Everybody, I will have all the links down below. Uh, I'll get get Mike to send me some links, and then we'll put them into the show notes. Mike, thanks again for for joining me. And, uh, man, it's going to be awesome catching up a SHOT.
1: Absolutely. we got, what, three weeks? Three and a half weeks? Three weeks,
0: man. It's coming up. Well, it's funny because we're recording this the first week of January, but this really doesn't air by the time everybody sees this thing. uh, Because... We were going to record next week, but well, someone wants to go see a Raiders game instead of actually recording a podcast. I, I can't imagine why um, you chose that. Uh, but yeah, so by the time everybody hears this, it's only like a week. So, uh, but yeah, three weeks like now. It's going to be cool. All
1: right, brother. So, well,
0: it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Absolutely, man. And I'll admit that was way too broad of a subject to talk about in one hour. I mean, long range shooting there's more to it it's not like you can just get up there and get behind a rifle squeeze a trigger and then magically something rings down range there's a lot to it i think i'm going to have mike on again we'll break this thing up a little bit and dive deeper into some things but long range shooting is something i've been really kind of interested in for a few years and uh, i think there's going to be a little more long range coming up well, i know there's going to be because well i've got an action down there and i've got a chassis that i bought at black friday i'm starting to build a long-range gun so definitely keep your eye on the channel for some long-range content now look i'm telling you i'm building a rifle i build a lot of guns and what i really love is the smart torque and master driver set from my friends over at real avid This thing has all the bits that I need when I'm working on guns. Definitely go check this thing out, man, because this thing is a workhorse right here on the bench. I have a link down below. Now, if you like the work that I do here, please consider supporting me for free by shopping my affiliate links and banners out at my website, www.trb.fyi. I'm going to give you a hint. There's going to be a website redesign out there you're going to want to check out because i have a series coming up that cannot go on youtube that's how good it is you know it's good when youtube is going to ban the content go check out that website definitely support me for free you are not going to spend any more than you are already going to spend not one penny all you need to do is go over to the partner side find the company Click on that link, it'll take you right to their web page, go shopping. Sometimes there's some um, discount codes there. I can even save you money while you're helping me support the content that you want to see. So go check it out. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, click that video right there. That video is about the Saver Covert 34. Now, there's a 30, a 34, and then even a bigger one now for ARs. Go check that thing out. It's a really cool case. I have a link down below for everybody else. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. Look forward to talking to you again soon.